Hello and welcome to the second podcast for the Global Burden of Disease 2010 study. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, December the 14th. In the first GBD podcast, we heard The Lancet's editor, Richard Horton, give a background and an overview of the main findings coming out of this landmark global health report, all detailed in a special triple issue of The Lancet and all freely available on thelancet.com. In this second GBD podcast, we're going to hear a little more detail about the findings from the seven research articles that form the core of the GBD 2010 project. Let's hear now from one of the architects of GBD 2010, Professor Chris Murray, who is head of the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington in the United States. Here he is presenting findings at a press conference to launch GDB 2010 in London. The global burden of disease is not only global in its uh, topic and scope, but it's also global in the way that it's being implemented with authors from 50 countries uh, spread all the way around the world. Our goal in the study was to amass uh, the best evidence on the state of the world's health, and we look at this for quite comprehensively across 291 diseases and injuries. For those diseases and injuries, we look at 1,160 sequelae of those. So, for example, for diabetes, we look at diabetic neuropathy, diabetic retinopathy. We end up looking at chronic kidney disease related to diabetes, etc. So quite detailed in the sort of clinical sense. We look at 67 risk factors that account for the patterns of burden that we see. It's by age, by sex, for 187 countries, and it's over a two-decade period. I think notable in this is the effort collectively of the authors to bring a high bar of uh, statistical rigor to the analysis, and in many cases new methods over the five years of the study have been tailor-made and developed to try to deal with some of the challenges in this type of work. We report uncertainty for every quantity in the study. built into the study as described in the papers, multiple efforts at internal and external validation. And we've created, as I'll show in a moment, some ways to help visualize the data, both to as quality control tools, but ultimately also as ways for everybody to explore the meaning and findings. I'd like to just give you five high-level findings out of these 650 million different results uh, in the study. So there are actually 650 million different results. And that's why I'm only going to be able to give you a bird's eye view. First, uh, outside of Sub-Saharan Africa, there is incredibly fast demographic change uh, driven by changes in fertility and mortality. And one way to capture that is this figure from the paper in the issue that you have from the mortality paper, which shows the mean age of death in 1970 versus 2010. And if you look Here, you take a place like tropical Latin America, which is Paraguay and Brazil, where the mean age of death has gone from 28 to 64 over a 40-year period. So in 40 years, the average age of death has gone up about 35 years. Uh, And that's a pace of progress uh, or change that's truly dramatic, and it means that uh, the way physicians are trained, the way systems are organized, it's pretty hard to keep up with that level of dramatic demographic transformation. Second broad observation is that there is a progressive transition towards a larger and larger fraction of the burden of disease coming from non-communicable diseases 
as opposed to communicable diseases and, and neonatal causes. And yet, in Sub-Saharan Africa, there's still a large fraction from the communicable neonatal and maternal causes. But outside, you can see the green and blue colors, all of which are 60% or more of the burden of disease coming from NCDs uh, as opposed to the communicable causes. Third big observation is what we think of as the disability transition. And that is that there's a progressive shift around the world from the most of the burden coming from premature death to an increasing fraction coming from chronic disability. And this is illustrated in these diagrams from the papers uh, showing each of the 21 regions in the study, the fraction of total burden of disease in orange that's from chronic disability versus uh, what's from premature mortality in green. And over in 2010, you can see a number of middle-income regions and the upper-income regions where that is now the majority coming from disability. I think that deserves a little bit more exploration because uh, why is it that there's so much chronic disability now? And it comes out from the cause analysis in the study, namely that the, these are now years lived with disability the numbers are in the world by age, and this is the percent distribution on the bottom right. And I think the idea there is there's a series of diseases that don't kill you very often, but cause an awful lot of disability. So these are in the light green color, the mental disorders and substance abuse, some related to diabetes and other endocrine disorders. This light purple color, the musculoskeletal disorders, really quite large. And then a series of other non-communicable conditions, including vision loss, hearing loss, anemia, that show up as disability as well. So these diseases that cause chronic disability, they tend to be related to age. And so as populations get older, premature mortality rates go down. You have more people living into the age groups where these are quite common. And this is one of the broader transformations we see globally, particularly outside of sub-Saharan Africa. There's also uh, the fourth general observation is that there's a huge global transformation in the key risk factors for disease burden. This diagram from the risk factor analysis, the last paper in the set, uh, shows with lines connecting the leading risk factors in 1990 on the left to the leading risk factors globally in 2010 on the right. And you can see a lot of crisscrossing lines. Uh, an example is in 1990, the number one cause of burden in the world was malnutrition in children. That's now dropped to the number eight cause in the world. Uh, likewise, suboptimal breastfeeding was uh, the fifth leading cause in the world. It's now the 14th. You also see water and sanitation, uh, the micronutrients dropping profoundly in terms of their importance as risk factors. And at the same time, the global level rises in a series of risks related to non-communicable diseases. High blood pressure, now the leading risk in the world, tobacco and then alcohol as examples. The GBD analysis also has this very detailed uh, exploration of different components of diet. And I think that's an interesting area in its own right. But at least at the very broad level, the big issue here is the transformation from risks really related to poverty at the global level to risks that are more profoundly related to a series of non-communicable diseases and the way people live their lives. Fifth observation is that these rapid transformations in health 
uh, don't seem to translate into a rapid change in the leading causes of burden in Sub-Saharan Africa. We quantify considerable progress in Sub-Saharan Africa. Child mortality rates are down quite substantially. There's progress in maternal mortality. There's progress in reducing, particularly since 2004, HIV-related death through the scale-up of antiretrovirals. There's progress in reducing malaria due to the scale-up of bed nets and, and artemisinin combination therapy. But despite that progress, you can see from this diagram in the paper on the total burden of disease that 65 to 70 percent of the burden is still related to MDG 4, 5, and 6. So the MDG-focused agenda is still at the top for Sub-Saharan Africa despite progress that we have seen. Whereas in most of the rest of the developing world, and of course the developed world, the MDG-related uh, burden is really uh, much smaller, below 20% in those other parts. Now, you can put all this together in terms of the global change in the top causes of the burden of disease. So this diagram orders from left to right from the largest causes of burden in the world, ischemic heart disease, pneumonia next, then stroke, diarrhea. And it also shows the percent change from 1990 to 2010. So you see the big rise from 1990 to 2010 for HIV. Of course, it has gone down since 2005. But you can also see by the color coding here where we've made the communicable neonatal and maternal causes red and the non-communicable causes blue and injuries green, that except for HIV and some smaller extent malaria, the burden is rising for the NCDs and injuries and generally falling at the global level for uh, the main communicable causes such as pneumonia, diarrhea, preterm uh, birth, tuberculosis. Now, that's a synopsis at the uh, global <coughs> level, and I am going to point out that because there are so many different results and regions really vary, that one of the central purposes around the burden of disease is to help people explore on their own uh, this national and regional variation. So we have going online tomorrow with publication of the Lancet issue a series of interactive tools that anybody can use. So here's one of them. Uh, this just shows the numbers of, in this case, deaths, but you can look at deaths, years of premature mortality, disability, or dallies. And you can look at males or females. Uh, this is showing 1990. Let's switch to 2010. So this is death numbers by age, and these are the 21 broad cause groups. And you can switch to also looking at this on this tool not just by age at the global level, but you could look across regions. And you see, for example, with death numbers, there's a lot of death in South Asia and East Asia. If you switch to rates, these are population crude rates. So you can see, this by the way is the Haiti earthquake, if you're wondering. It's more, it's the disaster mortality in Haiti, which shows up in the Caribbean. Uh, and you can see across regions where we've ordered them in these visual tools from the most advanced in terms of the demographic transition to the least, the variation in cause structure, and it may be a little bit more obvious if I switch this to looking at as percentages. Uh, and there you see heart disease and cancer as really important causes of death. If you switch to looking at premature mortality, you find that because those 
causes are at old age, there's more premature mortality burden related to infectious diseases, for example, and to injuries. If you switch to looking at a comprehensive view like burden, you see the importance emerge of mental health, substance abuse, musculoskeletal disorders. So one example of a tool that you can explore, another way is to look at these sort of rank order diagrams. This is showing global deaths. Uh, we can switch to looking at global dallies. You can then see how they change. You can see, for example, HIV AIDS going up, depression going up as a, a leading global cause. If you're interested in, let's say, Latin America, uh, go to Central, you'll see how the profile of burn is rather different with violence as the number one cause. Uh, just visual ways to explore. You can look if you're interested in a particular age group. You can pick the age group that you're interested in. Uh, we also have heat maps. They're brightly colored. They're in the journal. And these are the live version of the heat maps. These give you a color-coded figure of what's the leading cause in each region. Uh, and I've ordered these by the global level. But let's say you wanted to look at Sub-Saharan Africa Southern. It's now going to reorder them, show you the rank order for Sub-Saharan Africa, and then you can compare it to other regions. Red is a high-ranked cause, large and then the colors progressively to blue are much lower ranked. You can see HIV AIDS is number one in Sub-Saharan Africa, then pneumonia, then stroke. This is Southern Sub-Saharan Africa, TB, diarrhea, diabetes, and then violence showing up as number eight. Uh, just an illustration of how things vary by region. A place like Southern Sub-Saharan Africa is really this transitional area with both well along in things like stroke and diabetes, as well as having the massive burden from HIV, pneumonia, and diarrhea. Last, an important aspect of the study is uncertainty. So we have various ways to visualize uncertainty. Uh, this is showing dallies, and you can look at what are the cause. So this shows the range for the top cause, ischemic heart disease. You can see that the uncertainty interval for burden varies by cause. This one down here, which is very large, is whooping cough or pertussis, and it just speaks to the, where the data are limited in our understanding in some places in the world. So a range of visually interactive tools that we hope will help people have a deeper insight and be able to pursue what they want to explore in these results. And sometime in uh, March of next year, we will be releasing these tools and information and, and subsequent publications at the country level as well. So behind this database, we're right now focusing on global and regional results, but eventually this is you know, a resource for everybody that we hope people will have open access and be able to explore. Many thanks indeed to Chris Murray, and do look out for eight comments published alongside these research articles, including contributions from Richard Horton and Margaret Chan, head of the World Health Organization, and for a behind-the-scenes exploration into how The Lancet got involved with GBD 2010, do look out for a special report written by two of my colleagues, Lancet editors Pamela Das and Yudani Samrasekra. Our third and final GBD 2010 study podcast will be published on thelancet.com and available on iTunes on Wednesday, December the 19th. And crucially, this is going to take forward the key findings from GBD 2010 to analyse what future steps are needed to reshape global health. So don't miss that. Thanks for listening. See you next time.